Good afternoon and welcome. Welcome to the Susan Harmon Experience. She on Alternative Talk, KKNW. Uh, First, I want to say, hey, Eric, always good to have you on the air. Hey, good afternoon. Happy Friday, Susan. Great to talk to you. This show today is going to be very interesting. Susan decided she needed to push her boundaries and not stay in her own little bubble. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And I met this absolutely charming woman on an airplane flying from Phoenix to Seattle. We had a wonderful time. Actually, she and the woman on the, I was sitting in the middle seat, which was kind of cool. And uh, we had a blast. We you're the, didn't you're the first person I've ever heard say sitting in the middle seat was kind of cool, but go ahead. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, that gives you an idea how weird I am, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, it wasn't two big fat guys. You know, it was there you go. <laughs> on the other side of me. It was two charming, funny, nice women. And um, Rachel Alexander uh, is my guest today. I am delighted to have her on. I just, just a real quick note. I told her to send me a very brief bio uh, because she has this long rambling bio. That go- <laughs> so she said, well, her Twitter bio, she was for- it was forced to be short. So um, she is an editor uh, at, uh, where are you an editor? At the stream, it's stream.org. Right, that's right, because I just read your articles uh, today. Well, actually, I started last night reading today. But you write for Town Hall, The Hill, The Christian Post, and more. You're a former gun magazine editor. And what my favorite thing that you are is a recovering attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, got rid of all that, finally. I uh, refer to myself as a recovering intellectual. (laughs) Hey, I like it. That so, um, Rachel and I, uh, let's just say we're pretty much polar opposites politically. Yeah, that would and, uh, that might even be an understatement. <laughs> I, I would, I would have to agree with that. But what I found interesting is that I really enjoyed talking with you. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, we got along. We never got, got irritated, never were rude. I mean, it was, uh, you know, one of the most pleasant conversations I've ever had. Yeah, and, and my point and the reason why I wanted to do this show, you know, besides I mentioned earlier, pushing my own little boundaries, you know, and getting out of my own little bubble is um, I believe very strongly that we can have very divergent views and still have a uh, discourse with one another that's respectful and thoughtful and 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 actually soul centered is is my perspective on it now i know you're more religious than i am but i'm extremely spiritual and i think that that however that manifests for people you know i mean one of the most beautiful human beings i ever knew was a, a baptist minister and one of the most horrible nasty people i've ever met was a baptist minister Go figure. Yeah. So those are just boxes. And if we kind of remove the boxes and look at the person's spirit, I think, you know, 999,000 out of, we're going to find beauty. And we're going to find something in in common. And I um, and that's kind of what Rachel and I talked about this and said it would be really nice if we could model um, 
positive discourse with each other to my audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes absolute sense, you know. And, you know, one of my heroes on the right is the conservative intellectual William F. Buckley Jr., and he had the most civil discussions with leftists who were the opposite of him on his firing line show. And that's some of the best TV I have ever watched. Well, you know, um, I was not a Buckley fan. Go figure, right? <laughs> but at the same time, he, you know, a lot has changed since Buckley, to be honest with you. He presented his position and he didn't uh, use alternate facts. <laughs> and, and you know I, I have said on this show before in, in, in my opinion most of us call alternate facts lies <laughs> you know? that was a gaffe on Kellyanne Conway's part I can't believe she said that but it probably well, off the top of her head wasn't thinking and boom now see I love your sweetness there darling <laughs> I think that's very kind and thoughtful of you uh, <laughs> but that would not be my perspective on it. But I'm just going to let that drop because it's unimportant. And I think that maybe that's the kind of thing, if we stick, if we try to stick with things that are actually important to us and let go of the things that aren't, like, did she know what she was saying? Or did she ever say, well, that's not really what I meant? No, she never. I don't think she ever said, no, that's not really what I meant. Um, I'm actually becoming rather fond of her husband. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder why. Well, here's the thing to me. I believe that her husband is a true conservative. He's, he's not just taking advantage of situations. He's not just using the word. Uh, he actually believes and can back up what he, his beliefs are. And that to me is a very different kind of thing. Yeah, I could see him as being a thinking conservative. There's just some conservatives out there who think they're intellectual who can't stand <laughs> President Trump. And yeah. I think it's interesting because I've always identified with the intellectual conservative side, but I don't dislike Trump the way they do. Um, I just think, you know, he's he's all we've got. You know, he might be imperfect, but, you know, he's better than Hillary. Again, you're very kind about calling him imperfect. I call him a criminal. Uh, who has abused power, broken the law time after time. And, um, you know, as you know, the articles of impeachment are, they're starting that process uh, now and have been. And I was very, very frankly, I was very disappointed that uh, the Republicans uh, in the House chose party over country. And that bothered me a great deal. But let's see how the process unfolds. I, you know, you and I are definitely going to have different views on this. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm writing about the impeachment process right now. Make sure you get your facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> I won't use alternate facts. Don't worry. It's, it's me okay. we're talking about. This is not Kellyanne Conway. Say perfect. Yeah, that's a good start right there. And see, here's the thing. It's like I remember a few years ago that Rachel Maddow and Megan um, McCain. I'm not Megan. Um, not Megan. What? Um, Megan Kelly. No, uh, McCain is right. I just messed up her first name. Um, it's Megan. Or 
Oh, is it? It is, isn't it? Megan McCain. That, why is that weird? Anyway, uh, they were they had a really good friendship. I don't know where it's at now, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? But um, they they disagreed, but they really enjoyed each other's company, and those are the kind of things I think that we need to kind of look at. I mean, I did a I did a show with um, third parties uh, on off. Oh gosh, about three, maybe four years ago. Um, I had the, the head of the, uh, constitution party, um, the head of the, uh, libertarian party for the state of Washington. Uh, the, I didn't have the head of the green party. I had a substitute for him and I had the head of the progressive party and the head of the progressive party and the head of the constitution party are two women who are really good friends. Now their oh, views nice. are polar opposite, right? Yeah. But they're but they're friends and they like each other and these are the things I think we need to build on, um, you know I uh, I have a lot of I I have friends I have friends I have lots of friends, <laughs> but uh, that we don't agree politically but we're respectful of each other and I've gone on and posted things on a, on a site on Facebook and had people just attack me and they've actually defended me saying listen she's very honest she's very transparent you know she's she's not just coming on and and uh, and to i mean i've had people say some very vile things to him like well now there's a cogent argument <laughs> people just become these you know keyboard warriors where they just you know think that they're protected, you know, at home, sitting behind their computer, so they can just say anything, and it just blows my mind, you know. A lot of people on the right, you know, I see them on my Facebook page every day. They're so rude, they're so crude, and they think there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and that and that's a real problem for me. Now, you sent me several articles, and we can go ahead. Um, I, I can put them on on my website, and um, or you you know we can go ahead and you can say how they can find these articles. Um, and I think the one thing that we that you sent me that um, I really question um, this a lot because of my research into trans. Uh, gender children, um, these ages don't make any sense in terms of what my research has shown. Uh, and I'm and I'm talking here as though anybody listening and have any idea what I'm talking about. But um, in this article, this is like a very specific case in a divorce where the the mom wants one thing, the dad wants another, and they're saying that um, uh, they were they wanted to do hormonal treatment on a um, eight or nine year old, which I. Seven-year-old, but maybe they would wait till he was eight or nine. Well, but eight or nine is not an age that uh, has been discussed in any uh, transgender uh, uh, medical treatments that I have uh, looked into, and I, I really examined that. They're talking about. Uh, for let me see if I can find that again. For girls, it was um, um, like. 11 or uh, we're talking like right at puberty 11 or 12 there is uh, a, a, uh, a some there's been some discussion about using a uh, you know with uh, gender non-conforming kids using a, a, a puberty blocker yeah. uh, but not anywhere near that young yeah all it, the article just said that I read the mother had said she intended to start him on that path at age eight or nine yeah, well, um, I don't know any um, medical professionals who would uh, 
who would go with that. Uh, and I'm also the, the one of the things in the article was uh, you said uh, that when he's with his father, that he doesn't exhibit any of these uh, behaviors, right? Any any gen- gender non-specific behavior. And and there's lots of reasons for that too. Maybe you know I want my dad to love me. So I don't want to, you know, do the things that will upset him. I mean, you know, you know, as children, we do, I mean, with abusive parents, we do things to to not make them angry with us. And I mean, he could be doing things with his mom that he doesn't, do you know what I mean? To make her happy. He could be doing things with his father to make the father happy. I don't know. I don't know enough about this particular case, but I do know that those ages that are mentioned are, um, not ages where anybody would be doing any kind of medical treatment uh, in terms of uh, a gender changing. But even if that was true, and even if, you know, this boy wasn't going to start the gender transition, the puberty blockers and the hormones um, right. until age 11 or older, um, it I still have a problem with it. You know, they, they show that something like 82% of these kids who change into a different gender change back by age 18 and by then you've already messed up your body with these puberty blockers and these hormones that you're taking um and, and so that's that's where i have a problem with it yeah and and on this one rachel i'm actually going to agree with you because everything that i was reading there are too many unknowns as far as i'm concerned we don't know if this is going to cause uh heart conditions or diabetes later in life uh, we don't know. I mean, once you do certain things, then you can't reverse what you've done. Right. And so I do have, I, I share a, a, a certain amount of concern. I think that you have to, you know, we have, there, there's a reason we have age of consent in our society, uh, that you have to reach the age of consent. It's just like accusing a 14-year-old girls and charging them with prostitution when they're not at the age of consent, you know, no, that's, that's sexual child abuse, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, so that, so if to me, by that same token, you would have to look, if we don't know what the consequences of these drugs are, and they might have long-term impacts, uh, you know, you could have heart problems. You could have, like I said, diabetes uh, a little early on and other issues. You might not be able to produce sperm or eggs. Well, sperm is actually the male egg and the, well, but that's, that's a whole nother conversation. But the point is <laughs> that we don't know where this, uh, what, you know, what the, what the full consequences are. And the medical people say they don't know what they will or won't do. Uh, I think that they have only used uh, puberty blockers when a child was hitting uh, puberty too early to give them a little space to, you know, to kind of catch up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, to me, one of the issues around that is when uh, you know the children are drinking milk and the cows have been given um you know antibiotics and um growth hormones and we're finding that uh, that girls especially are hitting puberty at a much younger age because they're drinking milk uh that has uh growth hormones in it yeah and i find it interesting you pointed out that that's an area where conservatives and liberals can agree you know, we I don't do. like yeah. modifying all of our food like this. 
We don't want our food contaminated. We want our food. I mean, you know, and I know you go buy a tomato in the grocery store and then you have one growing in your garden. They don't taste anything at all alike. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. And I think the GMOs, what my feeling is, is this is this thing where people keep eating. They're not, they, they eat more food. Like when people say, well, organic food and all, it's, it's too expensive, but you don't eat as much. Because your body is satisfied. Yeah. Whereas with these other foods, look, your body is like, okay, where is it? Where is the nutrition? Where is this? You know, I'm trying to find it, you know, in the stuff you're putting in me. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. I've never, I never heard that before. Yeah, well, my mind is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's. But it's true, right? I mean, your body does search for this kind of stuff. Like, okay, I'm not getting what I need. Yeah, no, if I I definitely, you know, should consider more organic food in my diet, you're convincing me. Good, I'm glad. It worked. (laughs) One point for Susan. No, (laughs) Hey, no, but we agreed on that one already. I know, that's great. No, but it is true, and and we really need to to look at it. And I think that that's, you know, if you can, I think I told you the story of on another airplane ride (laughs) some years back, it was probably about 10 years ago. I'm sitting next to a man who was a meat inspector. And at that time, I was a, I never was a complete vegetarian because I ate fish, you know, seafood, but, uh, you know, but I, I was not eating red meats and, you know, and so forth. And uh, so I, you know, I had kind of an attitude about my diet. And um, so I said, well, do you inspect the uh, cows when they're uh, dead or when they're alive? He goes, on the hoof and on the hook. I'm like, oh, righty then. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was a phrase always stayed with me. (laughs) I'm like, Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't get that out of your head. Oh. Right, yeah. Try to try to try not to think about that again. Anyway, that and um we didn't agree on I don't believe in capital punishment. Um and uh, I do agree on abort I do uh, support abortion. Um and he was just the opposite. And so we had the, we were having these intense discussions and, and when we get really far apart from each other. I would bring it back to, I love my husband and my children. And he loved his wife and his children. And I'd bring it back to that because that was the one place where we we were in complete agreement with each other. (laughs) Do you know? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sad that that's all there was. But um, But you got to start somewhere. (laughs) Right? But that was... And he said, as he, we were getting off the plane, he says, you've given me a lot to think about. And I went, yes. Because <laughs> that's, that's all any of us can do. It's like, if somebody presents a new idea to you, um, now for me, I want to go and, and investigate it. I want to see, well, where, where does that take me? What, what can I find out about that? How, you know, where does my mind go with that? Uh, do I reject it out of hand? Or, or do I you know, try to find where it's coming from what's the basis of it i agree with you on that and that's what the wonderful thing is about being a writer whenever i want to get to the bottom of an issue i just research it and write an article about it 
Right. And then we have to look at where one of the, I did a show, um, it was a very short piece on it, but I, it was uh, when we, when, well, Arizona doesn't, as you and I both know, but we both lived in states that do go on daylight savings, which, by the way, folks, ends this weekend. Uh, Saturday night for those of you now we don't have to do anything here in Arizona because we're on standard time I know it's just get confusing for other people trying to deal with us I know I know but um, we will now be on the same time as New Mexico and Arizona and we'll be an hour later than uh, Pacific time so but we haven't changed it's just everybody around us did uh, that's kind of like my life, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I didn't change, but everyone around me did. What happened? <laughs> so, but um, I did a show about what countries do or do not do daylight savings, what states do or do not. You know, it was all interesting. And it was also International Women's Day. So I dedicated my show to Victoria Woodhull. I, um, Eric always gets tired of hearing this, but she's one of my heroes. Do you know who Victoria Woodhull is? I do not. You must look her up. You are going to love this woman. Um, well, maybe. But she was pretty amazing. She ran for president back in the 1800s before women had the vote. And she was in jail on the day of election. Oh, gosh. So, uh, yeah, she was a feminist uh, that the other feminists weren't thrilled with because she believed in free love. She was divorced. Uh, you know, all the things that nobody did in the 1800s. Very interesting woman. Extremely interesting. Uh, she was metaphysical. She she made and lost fortunes on Wall Street. I mean, she was she's really fascinating. Anyway, so um, you notice I, I actually am very fond of Victoria Woodhull. <laughs> she ended her life. Uh, she the last you know last part of her life she spent in England. Um, Fascinating person. So I wanted to do International Women's Day, talk a little bit about that and uh, uh, the daylight savings. But the other thing I brought up in that show was misinformation and how you can tell what is misinformation. You can't just look at a study. You have to look at the sources in the study. And they had given, um, there was some study they gave this professor as well as well sourced, but he didn't check the sources. The only group they got it right 100% of the time were the fact finders because they checked the sources. You know, you can have a study and it lists 10, 10, 12 sources, but all those sources are being paid by the guys that are doing the study. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, that's not well sourced. So, I mean, I, I find that that is probably, if there's anything that any of us can do right now uh, to make things more clear, and that's to check your sources. And, journal and journalists, you know, have gotten pretty bad at that in recent years. And I think that that's, yeah. why, that's why we've had a rise of these fact-checking sites. And, and I, in fact, wanted to start my own fact-checking site. But, you know, things got kind of complicated. The business partner I was going to work with decided we needed $6 million to start the site. <laughs> and, you know, it just ruined the whole plan because we didn't raise six million dollars. I I had a plan that we would have paid a guy to start the website for thirteen thousand dollars. That's it. You know, my but he anyways. I'm I'm just rambling, but I think that, they are important, and we don't have very many on the conservative side. They're mostly on the left. Like, you want to know why? Snopes. 
No, you want to know why? Because you guys don't have the facts right. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, but that's why I wanted to start my site. I wanted to fact check the left, but, um, you know, maybe I, some, someday. I'm all, listen, seriously, if I fact check somebody and they're, they're not accurate, I don't care what side they're on. I want accuracy. I mean, I've looked at people that I agree with, and they they may not have they may not have actually lied, but they slanted things. I don't like that. Right, right. I want people to just be straight up, whether I agree with you or not. Don't you know? Don't do that thing and tell me it's rain. <laughs> well, I think you just have to be clear that you are writing an opinion you're you know this is my opinion yes. piece if you're going to slant the facts and too many journalists nowadays they write these news pieces and they don't call them opinion but they throw in their opinion and it's 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 just ridiculous and i mean i find myself in an unusual position because i write news articles for the stream during the week and then i write an opinion article for town hall on the weekends so i think i totally confuse everybody well, you know, it's like fat, uh, Fox News gets away with what they do because they say they're not a news ch- uh, news channel, that they're, that they're uh, opinion entertainment based. And so they get away with a lot of things that simply just are not true. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to disagree with you there, but I see your point. Well, I mean, they, they, are, <laughs> they are slanted. I mean... Um, well, and it's called lies. <laughs> it's called well, lies. Hello? Hello? Did I lose you? <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't see it that way. But, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when they call themselves fair and balanced, and you notice they've stopped doing that, um, yeah. they're fair and balanced if you're a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I remember, I think I told you, I wanted to do a bumper sticker that said, conservatives conserve nothing. And liberals liberate nothing. Those those are misnomers. Those words don't mean anything anymore. I mean, I was seeing a man in Seattle, and he said he was conservative. And says, I said, no, darling, you're a reactionary. <laughs> There's well, a difference. Conservatives want to roll things back. I mean, we're no longer happy with keeping the status quo. You know, we are trying to go, you know, back to a time that was, you know, much more conservative. So um, I think well, that we, we couldn't go in, be any more conservative uh, as we are as we are now. I mean, Barry Goldwater was actually a conservative. He had great values. He had conservative values. I don't see that today. I, I really don't. I mean, he he believed in the land and taking care of. I mean, it's just like with the with the the uh, oil pipelines, mm-hmm. you know, in the West out here, we've had the cowboys and Indians, you know, coming together, the ranchers and the natives coming together because they love the land. You right. know, and it's being destroyed by by the petroleum industry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would quite put it that way. I mean, I think, you know, we need to have oil. We need to keep the country running. So there's going to well, have to be a compromise. Well, and and there again, we have other ways. We have other sources, other ways of doing it without petroleum. I mean, we're we're artificially keeping ourselves stuck somewhere we don't need to be. 
I just haven't seen the advances in other alternate sources of power. You know, they keep trying these windmills and, you know, those don't do anything. They end up just killing a bunch of birds. Um, you can't generate enough power out of them. Um, well, I, I don't think windmills aren't my first choice. Uh, solar is. And then there's Tesla. There's a lot of other things. But you know what? We're going to take a short break. And then we're going to come back and have more snappy patter and, and interesting um, uh, perspectives on things. And I, I want to talk to you when we get back about the uh, sexual accusations, uh, you know, and what percentage of that really uh, is uh, a false accusations of sexual assault uh, and, how, and how those figures come about and, and all. Because I think as women, we definitely, this is something we definitely want to talk about and how that uh, how that plays out in our world today and what we base those uh what we base those statistics on so that sounds exciting doesn't it the me too movement yeah me too so um <laughs> uh, you are listening to susan Harmon uh talking to rachel alexander on the susan Harmon. uh do a ditty that uh, is going on on Experience. your radio. Oh yeah, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Another voice heard from. You've been being very quiet, Eric. Uh, Susan Harmon Experience on Alternative Talk Radio. Stay tuned. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Susan Harmon is offering her skills as an intuitive counselor, medium, and energy healer via phone or Skype with her audience at a reduced rate of $40 for the first half hour. Susan listens to your guidance and gives what is needed for you in the present moment. Email susan at susanharmon.com and put I love the Susan Harmon Hour in the subject line. This is a limited time offer, so set up your appointment by emailing susan at susanharmon.com today. In March 2016, Melinda Rabine received the Right Now Today Humanitarian Award for her work on a film about domestic violence called Asylum, which was also awarded Best Narrative Short at the 2018 Cinema on the Bayou Film Festival. Now she's turned her talents to making a new documentary, Stories of Us, Camp Second Chance. In the process, she embedded herself in the camp during the snows of winter, spending Christmas there and returning for numerous visits since. Rabide shows the beauty and humanity of the homeless residents and builds a bridge of compassion in this compelling look at the common threads that bind us all. Interested in knowing more? Contact Melinda Rabine. Email melindarabine at gmail.com. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Susan Harmon Experience. Uh, my guest today is Rachel Alexander. Uh, we are polar opposites in our political views, and uh, we're having fun. I'm just having a ball. I love uh, it. I know it's 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 really great. Uh, could we share what uh, one of your um, your peeps had to say about the show so far? I think so. 
Yeah, go ahead. It's great. So one of my conservative friends is listening to the show, and he said, I'd have climbed out on the wing of the plane if I had to sit next to this woman. And I said, I would have helped him. (laughs) (laughs) And then he had, now this I take offense to. He pictured me sitting in a muumuu with a flower in my hair. Yes. Rachel, you know I am a damn good dresser. You look great on the plane. So, you I know, if you do so. dress like that, I haven't seen it. No, I, I don't. I don't dress like that, sir. And I am offended. <laughs> it's a liberal stereotype. Yeah. You know, it's like I would I, I don't call people names. Um, I I I. I really seriously try to treat each individual human being with respect as long as I'm able to. Yeah, well, you ha- you have to draw the line there because once you start calling names, then you've given up the substantive argument and you're resorting right. to fourth grade tactics. Well, that's what I said when this guy said, I said, well, that's a cogent argument. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't come up with anything better than that. Okay. Yeah, he was trying to be funny. Yeah. Well, it fell flat. Oh no, not your friend. I thought that I thought he was funny. I thought he I hope he was funny. I hope he thought he was funny. I thought it was funny. Anyway, um, but then I can laugh at myself. Uh we had uh in this little spiritual group I belonged to, my friend for the, our Halloween thing that we were doing day before yesterday, uh her her thing she wanted to do a warning label on me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well that yeah. is funny. It was funny. So she had me up there and she had all the different warning labels. She said she had 10,000, actually. That was not true. But she was just going to do a handful of them, you know. And I thought it was hysterically funny. I, you know, I can laugh at myself. It, it doesn't bother me because I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I feel good about who I am. And I always want to learn something new. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're not thin skin. I'm not either. I'm always making fun of myself. Well, and another reason that I'm not fond of Trump, thin-skinned. Okay, so. He is, is. that's true. (laughs) Extremely. So you talked about in this other article that you wrote about um, an increase uh, of false false, uh, accusations, and you quoted a 5.9% false accusation rate. And I, like, I was going to ask you where you got that from, but then I I found it, uh, where it came from. So um, uh, it's saying that uh, in the last published uniform crime reporting uh, that unfounded, that so this is the data on unfounded reports. This was in 1996. The FBI said unfounded rate for forcible rape at 8% is higher than the average for all other crimes uh, measured at 2%. However, the agency, the FBI, uh, has since modified its guidelines to narrow this definition. And one of the things that they found it, it was the way that uh, the unsupported or unsa- uh, unsa- unsubstantiated or no witnesses. Well, we know that with uh, rape, there's rarely a witness. Um, you know, that's part of the issue with rape. Uh, so, or, or that the... Uh, uh, the victim of, of rape didn't want to testify or didn't want to do this. Um, I mean, having been raped myself, um, I uh, I know that I never reported it. You know, I, I never reported the rape because, you know, I knew what the questions were that would be asked. How were you dressed? What were you doing? You know, all of this kind of thing. And um, 
the uh, uh, National Sexual Violence Resource Center uh, said false reporting is between 2 and 10%. That seems pretty uh, accurate. But we don't have good statistics because of how uh, they'll, they'll call it false reporting when it's just uh, – that's not the correct word when the police say, well, they, they don't have enough evidence, you know, or this. And that doesn't mean it's false. It just means that they lack evidence. Um, so they don't it doesn't really uh, exceed, uh, you know, national statistics. So that, you know, and, and, and I can't now I can't find where I found where that five point nine came from. But I found it. <laughs> I did find yeah, it. Well, it just says it's by the Violence Against Women Research Group. That it's oh yeah it was in the it, yeah, but it but um, um, but this was what was interesting. So this uh, more than twenty previous studies concluded that most misrepresent the rate of false reporting by not accounting for police departments' mistakes. Okay, that is that's very accurate. Uh, the researchers also conducted their own study based on ten years of reports at a single university. Rare for a field that relies on FBI investigation data, putting the rate of false reporting at just under 6%. That's where you got the 5.9. Um, but that is from the study of one university um, over a 10-year period. And that's where that stat came from. So I knew I found it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it again. <laughs> so... Um, but it says the greater scrutiny applied to police classifications, the lower the rate of false reporting uh, detected. And I find that interesting. So when the police departments um, do do the, you know, the correct, do things correctly, there's a, a, a lot fewer false reports. So I, and I think because he said, uh, uh, conflate unfounded reports when law enforcement labels uh, an accusation false or baseless with entirely false ones. So that's uh, those th those are very important distinctions, I believe. Yeah, I think that's really um, important to point out. I think where my article, you know, had a problem with you know some of these sex tribunals going on in colleges is they're not being fair to the man who it's usually the man who's accused you know they're not letting them have access to the complaint the evidence the identities of the witnesses the investigative report and they're you know not allowed to question complainants or witnesses you know i think if you're accused of something as serious as a rape which is a crime you should have due process like you do in the court system okay so i'm gonna take another perspective on this um because so many women are dismissed and are not listened to at colleges, more so than men are falsely accused. They're just dismissed. We're not going to investigate it. We're not going to ruin his uh, his his thing here at school by looking into it. That happens so much more often. No, I do not have statistics in front of me to back that up. But I know that that is much more of a, a problem than uh, a man who has been accused of rape and is not guilty. Uh, and a lot of these men, they just because they say they're not guilty doesn't mean they aren't. And I'm saying I know that men do get falsely accused of rape, but it's a really small number. Well, then why are these... It still doesn't make it right, okay? It still doesn't make it right. Well, why but are these 
for feminists then, you know, issuing this report on, you know, what they think is an injustice. If you know, I mean, this, these are people on your side of the political spectrum, and, and they think that these tribunals have gone too far against men. Well, um, I don't know. I would have to look into that further. I did read that, I, not in your article, but in, a, in another place. I, you know, I did read that. And I'm definitely uh, have not investigated that, so I really can't speak to it, you know, uh, in a cogent manner because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, one of uh, there was a study some years ago that uh, showed that women teachers, especially women who thought they were feminists and teachers, called on boys more often than they did girls in the classroom because we're, we have this conditioning. And that uh, they would have denied it, but they studied them and they counted the number of times and then, and the women were shocked that that's what they were doing. So I'm, what I'm, the reason I bring that up is a lot of times we do things that we're completely unaware that we're doing because it's our conditioning to do it. I see your point, but these women are they're law professors at Harvard. Like, so? Really? So? You don't think that they have, you don't think that they're, they, they, they also are conditioned to certain ways of doing and saying things. And it's unaware. I'm going to give you an example of, uh, of a conditioning that we don't think is conditioning. We think it's natural. My daughter, I know she's going to love me doing this on the air. I know (laughs) one of my daughters was the only little girl in preschool and they had the little the little toilets in preschool. And one of the teachers said to me one, one day, did you know that she uh, stood up to go to the bathroom? The boys. I said, yes, I did. And I never discouraged it because, you know, that's what she did. Like, well, good for her. The reason I bring this up, it was very obvious to me at that point, what I had considered natural positioning wasn't. It was socially conditioned. And we're unaware of it because it's what we do. And I just use that as one example that we think, well, this is the natural way that we do it, but it isn't. It's a conditioned way. Does that? Do you understand what I'm saying? I do, but I, I mean, your guess is as good as mine, whether these four feminist law professors or not. I have no idea. I mean, I really don't know. I don't know anything about these women. Um, but I, you know, I do know women who have been very uh, ugly and nasty to other women who've been raped. Yeah, I just... I didn't run across any of that side, you know, when I was doing research. Doing your, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm just, see, and you know what I like about this is you're not like chip on your shoulder and I'm not like, well, you didn't do very good research because I don't know. I have no idea. And I think, I think as a mother, one of the best things I ever did with my kids when they'd say, well, mom, what about blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know, but let's go look it up together. Do you know what I, mean? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I mean, we're probably both talking over our heads of knowledge what we know about this, but right. um, just, we speculate. We speculate. But if we can say, well, I'm speculating, you know, on this, but I don't know for sure, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah, no, we and, and we can. You know, I these I assume these four women, you know, did their due diligence and did, you know, a lot well, of research. Assume, the- remember, assume, you know. Yeah, well, I would hope so. Yeah. If you're going to be a law professor at Harvard, you better have done your research. And they just think the pendulum has swung back. They think that, you know, the, the these tribunals have gotten so favorable to the women asserting rape that, you know, it's a backlash now happening. And, um, you know, the men are being victimized. I And I'm, and I'm going to hold um, back on, um, I, I mean, I cannot agree with that. I just don't, because there's an attitude there's a sense of, of um, entitlement. When you have entitlement, you don't know you have entitlement for the most part. That's the way the world is. Well, that's just the way the world is. And that's, you know, that's why I brought up the thing about when she was a little girl. That's the way the world is. We don't realize that we have, uh, that we have entitlement when we have entitlement. Some few people that are awakening start seeing that well maybe maybe I maybe I am entitled maybe maybe some of the things I think are just normal that you know women should have I mean look at getting back to the airplanes again you know when it says you could have one personal item and one you know carry on right mm-hmm. men don't carry purses women carry purses that's counted against us um, shoes you know, now I've gotten old enough that I just wear what's comfortable in terms of shoes. No, no moo-moos, damn it. <laughs> but, I, but I will not wear high heel shoes because they're not, they're not comfortable for me. Uh, men naturally wear comfortable shoes. It just never occurs to them. And usually those guys are the ones who, come on, baby, put on the high heels. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I've never understood that. I'm five foot nine and I don't wear heels. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? There's this this view like because actually a high heel does curve your leg very nicely. You know, it's sexy. But it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's I not worth it. I it's not good for it. your feet. <laughs> give me give me a pretty dress, but I'm not gonna do the heels. Exactly. I, I, I would tower over men. It doesn't even make sense. Well, see, now there again, what, what's wrong with you towering over men? You know, it, it doesn't, it just feels uncomfortable. That's interesting because uh, I would love to tower over somebody. <laughs> well, I already tower over all the five foot guy, five foot five guys, five foot six guys. You know, my ex-husband was shorter than me. I just, you know, I'm used to it. Yeah, well, I had a girlfriend who was six feet tall in sixth grade. Wow. Yeah, she's she got really used to Jolly Green Giant and a few other, uh, you know. But see, there we go. We have these ideas of what people should or shouldn't be, and uh, that's uh, that's that's very rough. Uh, on us on how we treat each other, and I think sometimes we just need to back up and say, you know. You're you're perfect just exactly the way you are. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. you know? Yeah, but it, it is hard to overcome those societal stereotypes. You know, I it, it is, but it's definitely worth it if you can do it. 
yeah, I mean, good luck. You know, if you're a tall woman and you tower over men, you're going to have people making fun of you. It's just, you know, to try to get beyond that and over that is, is not easy. One of the things I always liked about Tom Cruise, it never bothered, bothered him that Nicole Kidman was taller than him. There were other things that bothered him, but that didn't bother him. That was good. Yeah, from what we can tell. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Now, there was one other thing you said you wanted to talk to, and we're getting towards the end of the show here, that uh, I really don't give a flying flip about. I voted for Jill Stein last time around. Um, But is Hillary going to jump in the presidential race? I don't think so. I mean, I really don't think she will. I think her ego would love love to do it. But uh, she won't get the nomination if she does. I think you're right on that. I, I, I think it's going to be tough for her to get the nomination, but I think her ego is so big she will jump in. And everything that I've been reading and, and researching, um, you know, she has all these advisors saying she's going to do it. She's just waiting for Biden to tank a little bit more. Um, well, here's here's the thing, Rachel. I say she's not going to. You say she is. If I win... You buy the first round of drinks at happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty funny. That's pretty, pretty funny. I, I, you know, I predicted back in January that, you know, she's going to jump in. And so I haven't changed my mind. And we're now till November. Um, I think, you know, we're going to see her. Well, the, yeah, the, the, the field is narrowing and, and uh, you know, it's it'll narrow further. So, you know, uh, and we'll see how a lot of these things play out, you know. And, of course, we're all going to be watching the, uh, um, you know, the impeachment proceedings. I mean, this is our third time of doing this. We had Nixon. We had Clinton. And now we have the that man. <laughs> <laughs> the orange man, as you people call him. The what? The orange man. Oh, I don't. I don't. I try not to reference him, if at all possible. The resident of the White House. <laughs> He's not my president. Yeah, I know the, the the guy who wanders around in his bathrobe, and he goes, "I didn't even. I don't even have a bathrobe." How many lines is it now? I mean, it's what twenty thousand or something. It's just huge. I mean, it's just. Yes, he has a bathrobe, and he wanders around the White House wearing it. So. Would be quite a sight. Yeah. Oh God. Talk about going blind. (laughs) I'd really rather not. Um, No, sorry. I just can't help myself. Um, So I and you've been very, very nice about my my little my little Trump jab. So I appreciate that. Oh, I see his flaws. I don't mind at all. So you recognize who he really is. (laughs) That's great. Well, I just, I don't think he's an evil person, but I think, you know, he'll kind of stretch the truth and he'll, you know, <laughs> you know it's like the white lies. He thinks they're Rachel. white. But, you know, as a Christian, I don't think people should even tell white lies. So, you know, that, that bothers me. He's telling big, black, dark ones. <laughs> well, I see, I wouldn't go quite that far, but, you know, when he, when he says he didn't have sex with Stormy Daniels, I mean, we all know he did. And so well, and that's not even my concern, honestly. Uh, my, I have much greater concerns than, than um, you know, the fact that he, you know, paid Stormy Daniels and he did have sex and she can identify his penis. <laughs> well, as, as the liberals like to say, it was consensual adult sex. It's not a crime. Now, that's what 
Yeah. And Bill Clinton got impeached for not even having sex, but, you know, almost. Yeah, they say he got impeached because he lied about the sex. That's but, right. Yeah. But but still, the majority of the country at that time believed that that was private and personal business, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. I don't care anything about who he's having sex with. I mean, personally, I adultery is a personal choice. Do you know what I mean? It's a personal choice. I don't think it has to do with uh, how you conduct business. I do have uh, an issue with not paying people that work for you. I do have an issue with those kind of things. Those are those to me, um, you know, are big things. But we are almost out of time. Uh, do you have any final words? You know, I would just add on to that last bit. I have one left-wing friend on Facebook who just never stops going off on Trump for his sexual past. And I I just... I don't care. Right, right. You know, if you're on the left, you know, you supposedly aren't going to care about things like that. But he just will not stop bashing him. And I just think, you know, if as long as Trump has, you know, moved on and his wife has forgiven him, you know, whatever happened to redemption? Well... Yeah, and I don't even want to go there because uh, their relationship is is unique. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. It's they, like Bill and Hillary, huh? <laughs> that's true. And and Susan and Walter, when my husband was alive, we had our own relationship that worked for us. Um, that's, you know, my business, nobody else's. But if I were in the public arena, I people are going to talk about you, whether you want them to or not. Um you and I are semi-public, and uh, we do what we do. And I have so enjoyed having you on this show. I mean, it has really been a blast for me. Me too. I just feel like, you know, this is the old firing line recreated. Exactly. Maybe we should get a show of our own. I Get me over this chronic fatigue, and I would be interested. Well, you know, I'm a healer. We'll talk. all right all right folks and there is one thing i want everyone that's listening to remember no matter where you are in the political spectrum no matter where you are in religion or spirituality no matter where you are in happiness or unhappiness there's one thing you can do to make yourself feel better about all of it and that my friends is to keep on dancing